You are listening to the Content Academy podcast where we teach online businesses how to create raving fans with their content. So let's get to it. Hello and you're very welcome along to the Content Academy podcast. As usual, I'm Phil McGrath, joined by Paul Caffrey. Paul, what's up with it? All is good, my man. All is good. It was a, a fun show there that we just finished recording. Yeah, uh, great fun. We had Chanel Cumberbatch uh, on the show from the SavvyBusinessBell.com. Chanel is a um, business success strategist and clarity coach. Um, and basically, she helps business owners and entrepreneurs get very clear about the direction they're taking their business. And that's her life's mission is to empower, ignite and influence entrepreneurs to achieve on their own version of success and uh, true freedom. So we had a great chat with her today about a, a great many number of things, Paul, which uh, I think uh, we'll be getting plenty of actionables by the end of it. Yeah, I mean, looks very impressive. Background in law speaks a little bit about that. And uh, I suppose uh, moved on to a couple of other careers, ran a, ran a number of companies herself. So really, really knowledgeable. Um, and then the I suppose the, the key takeaway from this is um, the actionable steps that she provides for actually talking to your audience in a structured manner to, to get results that will improve uh, and drive your business to, to be more successful. So very much enjoyed that. So yeah, enjoy the show, guys. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Let's bring in Chanel and we'll chat to you at the end. Yes, so as I said, we have Chanel Cumberbatch on the line from the SavvyBusinessBell.com. Chanel, how the hell are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, can't complain. Uh, not a bad old day here in Dublin. Paul, how's the UK treating you after that Brexit? Oh, it's very miserable. There's rain everywhere and um, there actually is a bit of doom and gloom on the streets at the moment while everyone kind of comes to grips with what they've just decided. So uh, you're going to see this in the news a whole lot more over the coming months. That's guaranteed. It most certainly will be, um, but uh, we'll talk maybe a bit about Brexit somewhere else down the line. Chanel, I suppose for our audience who may not be familiar with yourself and what you're up to, you might just give them a bit of background, so kind of where you started and what you're up to at the moment. Okay, um, so right now I'm the CEO of the Savvy Business Bell, and I'm a business success strategist and clarity coach for entrepreneurs. My background was actually in law. And I was actually studying to become a lawyer before I decided to nix it all and go into marketing. It was definitely um, <laughs> a wild ride, to say the least. And uh, I just realized that I wasn't really happy with working criminal law and the long hours. The cases were rough. Um, and it was just, uh, it wasn't my passion. So I just, <laughs> no, I, I'm la I'm laughing because I know what a nightmare criminal law can be, so I can yeah. relate to that. Yeah, it was, um, and I actually worked with a Supreme Court judge here in New York City. Um, so it was definitely intense. I mean, we had you know just like murderers and you know manslaughter, and it was just it was like a a ton of um, craziness, basically, to say the least. Um, so I realized that I was you know, I was getting overwhelmed. I was getting kind of bored with it all because, you know, the law never changes. So it was nothing new really to learn. Yeah. Um, and I decided to actually go back to something that I had done before when I first um, entered college was actually to go back into like sales and marketing. So 
I got a job as a marketing manager at a day spa here in New York City. And I realized that I really loved it. I enjoyed it. I was really good at it. But again, the hours were insane. I was working like 12, 13 hour days. Um, and it was not the best way to spend your time. So when I actually um, had my son in 2012, I decided that I was just going to leave. I wasn't going to go back after maternity leave. And I started my first business, which was actually um, a children's clothing company. So I designed and made all of these clothes by hand um, wow. with a newborn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in my basement. So that was my first taste of entrepreneurship. And I literally... I knew nothing about running a business. I had never run a business. Um, I didn't know anybody who had a business. And I kind of just jumped in with both feet and taught myself, um, you know, everything I needed to know. I took some classes online for, you know, like small business ownership and management, mm -hmm. things of that nature. And I did that for a little over a year. Um, and then, of course, as you can imagine, I got burnt out <laughs> because I was, yeah. again, working insane hours with a newborn. Um, and it was a very um, labor-intensive work because I was creating um, all these clothes by hand. Um, so I actually had a few pieces in stores. Um, I had some in some local shops here in New York, some boutiques. Um, but I wanted to move out of um, that because it was just so intense for me. Um, so I actually started a new company and for this one, I was making skincare products. So I did like natural handmade skincare products. And I worked that business for two years and it was really successful. It was, it was great. Um, and I loved what I was creating. But last year, I started feeling um, unfulfilled. And I was like, you know, something is not, something is off. Um, you know, I feel like there's still more that I could be doing. There's still more that I wanted to be doing, and I actually started having people coming to me, um, you know, from Facebook and just like friends and family, seeing what I had done and seeing what I was doing, and they started asking me, like, you know, how do I start a business? How do I get into this? How do I, like, take back my life the way you've done it and work for myself? And I, you know, I started helping people for free, <laughs> which was, you know, it was great because it was a, a way to kind of get um, that experience. And, mm. and it was just really like, I, I loved it. I loved giving people um, the insight and the knowledge that they needed to start businesses. And that's when I kind of fell into the business coaching slash strategy. And I decided, you know what, I think this is it for me. And I haven't looked back since. So <laughs> that's where I am now. Certainly quite a uh, colorful history, I suppose, and, and varied <laughs> in, in what you've done. But I, I understand, you know, you go when you're doing something and you get this itch and you're like, you know what, I, this, this makes sense for me. This, this, this gets me excited and I'm pumped to, to work on this. And, you know, although I have something here that's going on and it's going quite well, I just can't ignore the pull towards towards something else, and um, I I definitely get that. And I think a lot of our uh, our audience will, will certainly relate to that uh, with you. So I mean, obviously, you're we've we've spoke about it there, but the, the savvy business spell is is where you're based now, and you're obviously doing some great work over there, helping a, a number of clients um getting clear on what they're trying to achieve with their uh, business strategy. 
um, and, and getting clear. Obviously, as you said, you're a business um, success strategist and a clarity coach. Um, I suppose maybe for our audience who mightn't be too clear on, on those, in terms of a clarity coach, you might just give our audience an idea as to what exactly you try to achieve with your clients. Okay, yes. So with clarity coaching, what I do is with entrepreneurs who either have businesses or they're interested in starting a business, but they just don't know exactly what they need to be doing, I offer clarity coaching. So what that consists of is me just really diving deep into helping you figure out exactly what you want to do. Um, so we would go through, you know, like the why behind um, what you're doing, um, why you want to start a business or, you know, what's driving you, um, taking a better look at what you're passionate about and helping you to figure out exactly where you want to be and what kind of business you want to create. So like some of my clients will come to me and they might be doing something already. They might have a business, but like, you know, the way I was feeling where something was missing, you know, they just can't figure out what it is. So I'll, you know, talk to them and ask them lots of questions and we'll have a discussion and help them to figure out, okay, this is exactly it. Like my clients will come back and they'll be like, oh my goodness, I, I can't believe it. I have complete clarity on what I want to do, where I want to be. Um, and I know exactly how to turn my passion into a profitable business. So that's what I do with clarity coaching. And it's, um, it's definitely very rewarding because I get to kind of step into people's brains almost mm. and take out, draw out this idea that they didn't even know that they had, but you know, they're, they're able to actually see it and say, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I want to be doing. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's really exciting for me. Um, I, with that, I suppose with the eclectic range of clients that you get is, are most people kind of in the online space now or is there some kind of um, in the offline world or how, what's the, what's the mix look like at the moment, Chanel? It's predominantly online businesses. Um, I do have a few clients who sell physical products or um, like one of my clients actually owns a bakery. Um, so, oh, cool. Yeah. So That's it's, a face-to-face -face meeting, so. <laughs> yeah. Some cakes. Yes. Uh, so it's predominantly, <laughs> predominantly online though um, because, you know, I do spend most of my time marketing online. So I do tend to draw more of the online service-based uh, entrepreneur. Yeah, and here's an, an interesting question for you. And I, I think it's something that our audience would be very interested to find out. Obviously, having made the transition from your, your previous enterprise to this one, for you starting out and obviously to be seen as someone that was that people wanted to work with, you obviously got to create the content and put it out there to show people that you understand marketing and, and what they need to achieve and the steps they need to take to get clear on what they're trying to achieve with their business. So what kind of content did you start creating from that point of view to try and you know prove to the market that you were a person worth taking note of? Okay, that's a great question. Um, and it was definitely something that, I'll be honest, I was really nervous about um, getting started because, again, I, it was starting brand new and this was a new arena for me. And, um, of course, the industry is very saturated online. So, yeah. for me, um, what I did in order to stand out and to start to actually create content was 
I actually started speaking to people on the phone and doing market research. Um, and that's actually what has been my driving force for creating content. So the first piece of content, like the first ever lead magnet that I created was actually a course. Um, and surprisingly, it was actually very popular. Um, and it was a free course that I offered. It was like a, a mini course. It was probably like maybe 45 minutes. Um, but in order to create that, what I did was I actually did some market research calls and I asked my target audience what they were struggling with. And in addition to that, I did some research of my own online. So I'd go into groups and I would search, you know, just what are the biggest topics that people are talking about? You know, what's the recurring theme? What are people asking questions about? How do people seem to be struggling? And I came up with the idea to create um, an ideal client avatar workbook. So that was actually coupled with the course, the little mini course that I did. So this workbook was um, a whole workbook full of ways to get completely clear on who your ideal client is. Um, in addition to demographics, also psychographics, so the reason why people would buy from you, um, things of that nature. And then I recorded a really short um, presentation, like a course in um, Keynote, and I coupled that with the workbook, and that was my first um, lead magnet or piece of content that I created. And people really, really loved it. <laughs> people really loved it. Um, so I think like the biggest thing is surveying your target audience and finding out exactly what they're struggling with. And by doing that, I was able to create something that was the direct solution for a problem that they had. And that was really how I started to set myself up as an expert. And for a while, I had so many people coming to me for ideal client advice that I was starting to think I was like the ideal client coach. Because as like everybody, whenever they had a question about their ideal client, it was like, you know, they were running to me. So that was how I got my foot in the door. And I really started setting myself apart. Excellent. I love it. And just to kind of uh, follow up from there. So, I mean, obviously, you've said you've actually got on the phone and you've spoke to people about their, their kind of pains, problems and frustrations. But where did you pull the phone numbers from? So if we've got a listener at home now who's like, you know, I need to speak to my my ideal customer, my ideal client, I want to get them on the phone. How did you go about getting those numbers to get them on a call? Yes, good question. Um, so what I did was I know that off the bat that my ideal client mostly spends time on Facebook. Um, so what I did was I, I started getting visible in a few groups just by posting, um, you know, helpful stuff, answering questions, things of that nature. And then what I did was I actually created a post on Facebook in a few different groups asking people, you know, if they'd be willing to hop on the phone with me for a 20 minute chat of market research. So what that does is it kind of opens up the dialogue. So people will often feel a little bit more comfortable when you get on the phone with them if you're doing any type of research. Um, so wherever your ideal client is hanging out. So if it's on Twitter or, you know, if they're on LinkedIn or if they're on Facebook, you can just create some type of post or some way that you reach out and have people actually sign up to do these market research calls. Um, I oh, do nice. recommend building some type of um, visibility or relationship up first 
before you go asking for anything. Hmm. Um, and that's what I do. Like, I, well, I do that all the time, but especially like if you're just getting started out and people don't know who you are yet, you want to give before you ask. So make sure you you're giving some really great content and then you can follow up with a, you know, Hey, since you guys love me already, can you just get on the phone with me for a few minutes and answer a few questions for me? And then you take it from there. Yeah. I, I'm, here's something that i was actually reading earlier on that uh on TechCrunch, and it's about facebook that they are opening it up that you can now reply to comments by recording a video um it wow. will be it will be rolling out very shortly um to everybody some people already have the capability on desktop and some on mobile uh, but we do believe it will be rolling out to everybody very very shortly and in terms of being in a group chat or in a Facebook group and seeing people who are putting up posts with questions they might have that you obviously think you, you can you can answer and help them out with, shooting them a video response now will be a great way for instant recognition and getting them obviously to see you, know, like, and trust. Can I get that, that ball rolling a little bit easier? But also in terms of looking maybe to get people on a call, you can shoot them a quick video message now in reply to a question they've asked and say, you know, here's what I do with that. If you want to know more about it or if I can help you out in any way, I'd be more than happy to jump on Skype for 20 minutes with you and kind of run through it. And I guarantee if they are having a struggle that they do feel you can help with, well, then they're gonna they're not going to turn down a free 20-minute chance to solve their problem. And you can obviously then probe them for a little bit of information while you have them there so just to kind of buy the buy to keep an eye on that it will be Jeez. rolling i think you nearly should have had a, a breaking news but the music behind you there phil sorry yeah <laughs> I, 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 off the press. <laughs> well i don't know if it's hot off the press <laughs> TechCrunch. TechCrunch got there before me i got it second hand from TechCrunch. Oh, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll take it all day long um cool <laughs> I, I like that there's i suppose the speaking to chanel if we, if we jump back on track speaking to to i suppose your target uh audience as such um, I do really like that. And obviously, we, we have come across that a, 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 a few times in the podcast. Um, I've kind of got two questions off the basis of that. You know, one is, do you have the structure or do you uh, and, you know, do you have an idea of what you're trying to get out of the conversations? And then the second is just, you know, how do you capture that and uh, that information? The way that I do market research calls is you want to make sure that you have a certain specific set of questions that you ask for each call. So, for instance, if I'm doing research on my ideal client um, in general, I may ask a certain set of questions um, to get that inside information um, into their biggest struggles, um, more information as far as who they are, um, the reasons why they would work with me. Um, what some of their biggest objections may be to working with me um, so that I can actually use those answers to craft my copy, to um, create services, to create um, packages, anything along those lines. So um, you want to get information that's going to be the same for each client. So you have a specific set of questions that you know you're going to ask for every call and you make sure that you get really good details, you know, and you can kind of yeah. ask them to expand upon it and on answers and things of that nature. Um, as far as capturing the information, um, in the past, um, I usually would just take notes because I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of old school. I actually write with a, you know, a pen and a paper. Um, so I do take a lot of notes. Um, love I love an old pen and paper. I do. Yes, I'm, I'm using one right now. <laughs> nice for a change, Paul. You haven't got that in one note. No. <laughs> Sorry, you haven't got that in one note, have you? 
<laughs> no, I haven't, you see, because I have the I have the podcast recording running through the computer, so I don't want to have it doing too many things and hear the type into the keyboard. So uh, there you go. Pen and paper for the moment. <laughs> Sorry, Chanel, oh, we interrupt. Sad. We have a little battle Joker. between my pen and paper and Paul's digital. Ah, okay. Well, I love I love pen and paper. Um, so I I'll jot down notes and. I, what I like to do and what I recommend is actually writing down some things that are going to be taken directly from the person you're speaking with. So you want to use the copy or the, the, the spoken word that you get from people in whatever you're creating, because if you're speaking to them in their same tone of voice, then they're going to resonate with it a whole lot better. So you, what I've been doing in the past is writing notes, um, now, recently, I've actually discovered the beauty of Zoom, and I can actually record the conversations um, with that. Um, I'll admit I was a little bit um, behind when it, comes, when it comes to tech, so I wasn't uh, too keen on using it at first. But now that I've figured it out, um, that's what I'll do now. I'll actually have people talk to me with the Zoom so that I can record it. And then I actually have that recording so I can refer back to it. So if you're looking for a really great way to save your information, I would recommend using Zoom. And you can just keep some notes, um, you know, separate. Or what you can do is actually create like a little um, spreadsheet and have all of the different questions that you ask. And then you can actually input some of those answers that you've received to keep it um, more neat and keep it all in one place yeah no i like that having a bit of structure and i suppose that's kind of the piece that i, the, I suppose the thoughts i was trying to join is that uh, it's very easy to kind of go off and just have a conversation with your audience but obviously you're doing it in a very structured manner and um i really like the way that you're able to you know capture the phrases and their voice because ultimately that will resonate further and that, i mean i think that's a great tip and really nearly want to underline that for people listening um that that is possibly one of the most valuable parts of those conversations if you go and do them that you can actually gain um how many calls would you do on a uh, on a topic for research purposes would you define it as to the the value of product or the amount of time that you were going to dedicate in your business or I suppose just to give us a flavor uh, of what you might do while researching volume wise. Okay um, so for me I usually will do as many calls as I feel like I need um, to get a complete understanding of my customers needs. So recently the calls that I did I gosh I think I did about 25 of them. Um, wow. it, yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Like when yeah. you think about the time to reach out and organize it, yeah, brilliant. It was, um, and actually, with some of them, not all of them. Um, when I started out, I was actually also offering a free thirty-minute strategy session afterwards as a thank you. But so many people responded that I was like, "I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do, um, yeah. can't do twenty-five so many hours." Yeah, yeah. So I let them know it was on a, a first come, first serve basis, um, and I, you know, I, I couldn't offer all those. So, but I did, I did twenty-five because I, I kind of wanted to really make sure that I had all of the information I needed. Now. This is why I actually started implementing a questionnaire, a pre-questionnaire before the market research calls, because what was happening was that people were wanting to schedule the calls, but then when we get on the calls, they were not the people I was looking to speak to. 
Um, and this is why I started actually doing a pre-questionnaire. So people would apply, they would have to apply to do these market research calls because there was such an overwhelming response. And by weeding out some of the um, people who might not have been like the targets yeah. for this specific um, research session, um, I was able to really whittle it down and then end up getting much better and targeted information. So I do recommend um, having some type of pre-questionnaire. Um, and I, I've spoken about this on great length online because even with um, like your services or whatever you offer, even if you're a copywriter or you're a graphic designer, I recommend having some type of questionnaire before anybody can jump on your calendar because time is valuable, time is money. And at the end of the day, you, you only want people that are gonna be the perfect fit for you. And it's the same way with market research. You want people who are gonna be willing to answer your questions and you don't wanna hop on the phone with folks who are not actually in that target demographic for the market research. I really like that. And um, I suppose that's actually something that um, we, myself and Phil, we've come across recently as well. Um, we're looking at some services and building some courses. So we were chatting uh, and we're doing a bit of market research. And interestingly enough, uh, we kind of find that from the market research that we were doing, um, social influencers was, were, was seemed to be who were kind of attracted to that initial piece of market research, even though the, the service would, would never be intended to be for a social influencer. So um, again, that's another thing to underline because that will save you time. And I really liked it. I, I was looking before the show um, the, the pre-questionnaire, the 13 questions that you have uh, on your site. Um, did you set that up yourself? Did you get a, a web developer to set that up or how did that work for you, Chanel? I actually set that up myself. Um, and again, I'm not very techie, so if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, I actually used, um, I used this site called uh, Typeforms. And what I did was I just created um, this questionnaire and I, you know, I input all my questions. I was able to design it myself. And basically, you know, if you go through my site and you click that you would like to apply for a strategy session, if you're, you know, looking to uplevel your business or if you're a new entrepreneur and you apply for one of these sessions, it'll actually take you right to that application um, because I linked, I put the link in the button on the site. So it's definitely not, um, you know, it's not anything like too difficult. It's very simple. Um, and type forms is what I used because I like the fact that I can actually track who visits my um, questionnaire using Google Analytics. Yeah. And, um, and then I like the fact that I can, you know, kind of design a little bit because I did want it to look nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's cool. And in fairness, um, I mean, your website is is very nicely laid out. So that is pretty cool there. Um, I suppose then moving on, and I suppose if we look at the the content side of things, and obviously the, the web is, a, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, would it be fair to say, Chanel, that you, you're more focused on kind of the, you know, quality people to work with, for want of a better phrase, than actually getting out to the masses and that you're kind of spending more time finding the right people rather than churning out a lot of content to everybody in the hope to find them. Exactly. Yes. Um, I am very, 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 very dedicated to um, the phrase quality over quantity. 
Um, mm. And for me, I would rather work with, um, you know, three people who really needed what I had to offer and that I really resonated with and felt that I could help versus, you know, working with 50 people who I kind of pulled in off the street. Um, and what happens is when you when you're like willing to just take on anybody, um, it's really becomes more about money at that point. Um, and that's not why I started my business. It was not about money. Yes, money is great. And being able to provide for my family is great. But at the end of the day, I really wanted to be building relationships and I wanted to feel like I was helping people. So making sure that I'm marketing myself towards those who actually need what I have to offer not only saves me time, but it also makes sure that I have a more uh, high quality client and somebody yeah. who's actually going to be willing to do the work as well. No, I like that. Yeah, get somebody who isn't afraid that the effort isn't looking for the quick fix. And I suppose that's a theme that we've we've been speaking about a lot recently. Um, I know, Phil, you've been an advocate of this is hard work. This is not easy. No, it's, um, yeah. it's not. And yeah. that's 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 my big my big thing around what we do is that, you know, everyone and including people listening to the show, I know you're listening. You're out there and you're looking for that one piece of advice, that one bit of software that's going to turn the game on its head for you and really start, you know, bringing in clients or selling your product or getting essentially getting income in the door, um, which isn't, as we said before, if you're not doing that, you've got an expensive hobby, not a business. But at the same time, they want all that, but they're not willing to put the work in. They're looking for a quick switch, the silver bullet. It's just not there. It's all about, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, if you love what you do like we do, but uh, it's all about the hours and putting in the hard work. But not not only that, it's being smart about the work you do put in and putting the hours into the right areas of yeah. your business, um, which, you know, you can work um, every hour in the day, but if you're not doing the right things, you're not going to see the results, which is hopefully where we come in to kind of give you some guidance there. And one of the things, Chanel, I was going to flag that I, I noticed, noticed you mentioned there um, was about relationships. And relationship marketing, I know, is something that you're very, very big on. Um, again, you know, you might just kind of give our audience a bit of context on that and, and how they can try and incorporate relationship marketing into their business plan. Okay, yes. Um, Relationship-based marketing is something I'm very, very, very passionate about. Um, because like I said, for me, it's about that connection and it's about, um, not only making money, but actually helping people and doing something that I love and that's helpful. So I practice relationship-based marketing with my business and it has been what's set me apart. It's been what has helped me to create a business that's completely aligned with me and who I am. Um, it's also very lucrative if you do it right. And some people hear that term and they're like, oh, you know, that's <laughs> kind of like, you know, wishy-washy or whatever. But if you want to be able to actually connect with people and you're building the type of business where you are actually wanting to help people, then relationship-based marketing is um, the type of tool that you want to use because we all know that it's a lot cheaper to sign an existing customer versus actually acquire a new one. And when you're actually building these relationships, you're able to use word of mouth marketing and end up getting additional clients. My first client that was not somebody that I had known was actually referred to me by a past client. So 
you're able to actually like have people marketing for you because you're building those relationships. Now, what I do is, and you know, it's, it's something that, um, you know, people are always wondering, like, how do I, how do I do this? Because you'll see me online, you'll see me, um, you know, very visible now. And I provide a ton of free content. Um, and I know I do that. <laughs> I'm not oblivious to that fact. And people are always like, you know, how on earth? I mean, like, you should be charging for this and you could, you know, create something that's paid from this and blah, blah, blah. But for me, what it is, is I'm basically laying that foundation. So when somebody hops on a call with me, nine times out of 10, it's because they've already been following me online. Um, and that's where that relationship-based marketing comes in is because they see me actually providing the content and actually being helpful. So if people have questions, then you answer them. If people are looking for assistance, you should be doing that without that like, you know, sneaky um, self-promotion plug that you try to put in there. Yeah. And that's like, <laughs> you know, you see it all oh, the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's you ridiculous. And it's so ridiculous because people don't realize that, look, online, it's very saturated, right? And if you want to stand out, then you need to be different from everybody else. So for instance, like this past um, past week and a half, I've had, oh gosh, I've had like at least like 20 people reach out to me based on one piece of content that I provided in um, a group online. So I actually created this little list of things that people can do to um, maximize being published on um, the Huffington Post because I'm a contributor with them. Um, so I created this little list of things that people can do to kind of maximize their exposure. Um, now I've had 20 people reach out to me um, personally and I've, and gosh, I don't even know how many comments on the actual status, but now I could have easily made that an opt-in easily. I mean, I could still do that if I want to. And I love yeah. repurposed content, but I could have easily made that something that, you know, was requiring you to opt in, but I didn't because I wanted to provide that. And by doing that now, I think like at least uh, 12 people, because they read what I had to write and they actually asked me questions, 12 people have come back to me and told me that they were accepted to contribute. So now, you know, that's another way that you're kind of building up your credibility just by helping people. And that's really the basis of relationship-based marketing. You want to give, and it might, it might seem at first like you're giving away the farm or, you know, you're giving so much. But now when people actually come to you and schedule these consultations, when they come to me and they've, they, you know, they've signed up or applied for a consultation, they I don't have to pitch them. Um, and this is one thing that I tell people, like, if you do relationship-based marketing right, you don't have to pitch anybody. So I'll get on a strategy call. And again, my goal is to over-deliver. So I, I don't, like, hold back. You know, I try to do as much as I can on the call because this is, this is what I do and this is my method. Yeah. I, I, sorry to cut across you, Chanel. I always liken this, um, my, my, my analogy for this is when you get a first date, 
you don't go on your first date and decide, you know what, I'm just going to be reasonably charming. I'm going to wait till date number five and then I'm really going to wow the <laughs> pants off them. No, you go you go give it everything you got because you don't know if you're getting a second date. You don't hold back then and you shouldn't hold back now. If you get the chance to be in somebody's um, in somebody's earshot, I suppose, get to have a chance to sit down and talk with them, you really want to impress them there and then. You're not going to go, well, I'll give them a little bit enough to keep them on the hook and then if they really want to be impressed by me, they can wait and see. It's just not going to exactly. work. You know, you wouldn't do it on a date. Don't do it in business. Exactly. Yeah. So basically, like, finding me online, those are, those are like our first, second, third date. Now, when, um, when they actually hop on the phone with me, it's like I'm, I'm ready to seal the deal. And I'll give them a session. And at the end, and I kid you not, like nine out of 10 people that I get on the phone with at the end will say, okay, well, how do I work with you? I don't, I do not pitch. I do not say, well, can I tell you about my services today? No, it's, can I, it's like, can I work with you? And I'm like, well, sure. You know, uh, here are the options and let me know what works for you. So it, it does work. And I think that I think that people are afraid to give because, you know, you hear like giving away too much is devaluing and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but it's rubbish. It's rubbish. It's complete rubbish because you need to be able to give because there are so many people out here who are doing something similar to what you do. So if you need you want to stand out, then people have to actually see what you have to offer. So if you're like everything is behind a paid wall or everything is behind an opt-in, you know, it's like, well, how do I even know if I want to do business with you? You know, you can't. So you need to set yourself apart by building the relationship first. And some of it really comes down to changing your mindset. Um, There are just too many people who are chasing the dollar versus chasing actually helping people. And I think that's a huge, a huge part of it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wanting to make money. I want to make money. I want to make a million dollars. That's fine. That's great. But I don't want to do it in a sleazy way. You know what I mean? You want to do it in a way that you're actually, you know, you're changing somebody's day. You're doing something. You're helping somebody. So don't let that money be the the sole thing that's driving you. It needs to be deeper than that. Because if not, it's going to, it really comes across that way because you can always see who feels like, you know, it's like, oh, everything is something, you know, like, oh, you want to have a 20 minute call with me? Fine. And you got to pay or it just it, it really yeah. comes off in that like sleazy kind of gross yeah, way. It reminds and- me of a, a Gary Vaynerchuk quote that I think I've probably popped out in the show more than once or twice at this stage. But it's it's how you make your money is far more important than how much money you make. Yes, exactly. That's it. And that is that's it. That's perfect. I love that. Chanel, we're getting tight for time. I'm conscious that I don't want to keep you too long. Um, but before I let you off the hook, um, there's one question that our regular listeners will know I always like to pull out the bag at the end of the show. And it is very simply this. Give us one major thing that you've learned during the course of your recent uh, business adventures that you just wish you knew when you started. Okay. Oh. So many, so many things. Um, <laughs> if, so, so many. Um, but if there was one thing um, that I wish I had known, it would definitely be that it's not as easy as people have made it seem. And 
Um, I love that you guys mentioned, you know, the fact that it's not like an overnight success story. It's not easy Um, because you see a lot of that online, like people talking about how they made so much money overnight and blah, blah, blah. And like I said, I knew nothing about getting started. So for me, it was kind of like I had the wool pulled from over my eyes when I started and I realized this is going to be hard work. Um, And I wish I had known back then that it would it would be so much hard work. I wouldn't have shied away from it, but I would have been a little bit more prepared. So I was working so many late nights, um, long hours when I got started. And even with creating this new business, you know, just to get things done. Um, and I just wish that people understood that, you know what, it is, it's going to be really hard. And I don't say that to deter you from chasing after this dream, but you have to know that it's going to be hard because when things are rough and when it seems like you're not making any progress, when you're wondering why on earth you even decided to go this route because you're working more hours than you did before, um, you have to just remember that, yeah, it's hard work now and it's hard work when you're first starting out, but it's worth it and you have to stick with it. And if you do that, then that's when you're going to see those rewards. So um, that's the one thing that I wish I knew, just that it would be, it would require a lot from me. Um, but I feel like it's definitely, well, it's for sure has made me grow as a person and as a business owner. So I'll never, I'll never be the same after this experience for sure. Perfect. I couldn't have put it better myself. Paul, have you anything else you'd like to add to that? No, I'd just like to say thanks very much for coming on the show, Chanel. And could you give our listeners a shout as to where they can find you? Yes, um, you can find me online at thesavvybusinessbell.com. And that's bell with two L's and an E at the end. Um, also, I spend a lot of time on Facebook. So come and shout out, shout me out over there. And um, I'd love to hear from you guys. Excellent stuff. We'll uh, make sure to have links to your site and all your social networks in the show notes. For those of you who want to jump over and shout out to Chanel for all the great value she's brought us today, and I highly recommend you do that, folks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, we wish you all the best in the future, and we'll chat to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. It was lovely meeting you guys. Yes, so there you have it, folks. That was Chanel Cumberpatch from SavvyBusinessBell.com. Paul, a lot of great stuff in there that we spoke about with Chanel. Um, Some really, really insightful stuff. Maybe not a lot of action um, that we kind of have had in, in past episodes in terms of the, the volume. There's definitely some great stuff you can take action on. But I loved her insight into the online business world and, and certainly her take on where people are going wrong and kind of the, all the noise that's out there. Yeah, it was nice. I don't know what it was. It was just, it was a nice chilled out podcast. You know, we were all kind of pretty relaxed and just had a nice casual conversation. Um, some nice stuff to come out, to come out of it. Obviously, um, I did like the, the phrase, the psychographics of it all. Um, so yeah. I did write that down. Um, but really, when it gets down to it, um, the you probably noticed I was kind of pushing on the market research side of things because I think people don't do that online or, or they do it very poorly. And um, Chanel was very kind to share her process with us, you know, very much that, you know, she has the same set of questions. And, you know, for her recent one, she asked up to 25 people that set of questions. Um, and then also having a process to filter out 
people who she probably shouldn't be speaking to um, to begin with. So quality over quantity certainly um, was was a theme that kind of carried through the, the podcast as well. So that is very, very interesting, actionable information that people can take away. So even if it was only 10 questions, if you've got 10 questions on a possible product that you're looking to uh, to launch or, or whatever the business service might be, reach out to you know maybe groups where your target audience hang out and have get those questions answered. I'd say you're probably going to have a, a far more successful uh, product, service, course, launch, whatever, if you follow that versus if you just make what you think people want. So um, really, really like that. And again, just highlighting the fact that uh, if you're smart about it, um, you can actually get great results. And she's obviously getting the results by having you know high value clients and nearly goes all the way back to um, episode two. We had Gene Hammond on um, was um, he was all about hitting the bullseye and, and actually finding that ideal client uh, to work with uh, because more valuable for them, more valuable for you, uh, and everyone is happy. So Yeah, it kind of reminds me that the, that quote from Gene even now still sticks in my head um, where he basically said, if you say that you're willing to work with small businesses, it means you're willing to work with anybody. <laughs> which i really liked and in no disrespect to small businesses it was more that you weren't specific enough about the type of clients you were looking to it's get. a type of small business isn't yeah. it like let's face it you know um, which i really liked and another thing obviously we spoke about uh towards the end of the podcast spoke about relationship marketing and, and one thing that really stood out for me is the um kind of we brushed upon the, the kind of cost of acquisition that you know converting existing customers is a hell of a lot cheaper than acquiring new customers but i guarantee you time and time again people will put far more effort and money and time into trying to acquire new customers than they will in trying to retain uh, and i don't want to say upsell um, but certainly retain the customers that they already have or the clients they already have um, and it's again it's far easier to deploy your services against customers who know like and trust you as opposed to those who you may be cold calling or who have just come into yeah. your, your sales funnel or your uh, your email newsletter or whatever it might be that's a tricky one though isn't it because when you think about it there's got to be a balance i understand kind that. Of, yeah some people will have courses and they will i don't know for one for a better phrase graduate and, and move on whereas others will possibly always need coaching and guidance uh, and then it's a case of retain so Definitely something you should be pondering when kind of when you step out of your business and you're reviewing maybe your quarter, quarterly results and kind of seeing, you know, where should you focus? Because, I mean, obviously you speak about the cost side of things of finding new clients, um, but there's also the effort side of things as well, you know. So, you know, if, you, if that's focused on the existing uh, customers that you have, even if it is very few, uh, it could be a better use of time. So definitely food for thought there, all right. Um, I suppose one other thing just jumped, one or two other things jumped out. Um, one was just how simple that questionnaire that she uh, put on her website. Um, so that was type forms. Um, playing around with that, that seems a fairly simple piece of software to deploy. So that's nice um, because obviously that helps you filter, you know, people before they actually start eating into your valuable time and booking up your calendar and, you know, sometimes not even showing up. You know, let's face it, that, yeah, that does yeah. happen sometimes when we try to arrange these calls. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that we've kind of spoke about at length before. So, you know, give value first. I don't think there's any great need to kind of emphasize that again. Uh, no, but just the whole 
the whole point of it being that you really like meeting someone for the first time as i kind of said on, on on the show itself about the first date and trying to impress straight out the gate rather than holding something back and kind of go right on date number five you're going to be so impressed with me you know you mightn't get there so you've got to give it everything you have and really make people oh, i don't know phil you might want to play the you know the strong silent type and be mysterious for for a while you I know i don't think i have that in my Feeling arsenal mean, keeping keen, you know? <laughs> i don't think i have the strong okay i have the strong part but probably not the silent part <laughs> <laughs> well that's that's very true um put your best foot forward absolutely um, don't be worried about giving your best stuff away that's what you want people to see um so yeah. if they don't see your best they won't expect the best that's the yeah. easiest way i can put that and just the final point that uh, that chanel made so eloquently when i i, I kind of through that last question towards her was that you know it is going to be hard work um there's going to be that those moments where you're just not feeling like today's the day you can really push forward um but you've got to get past that and understanding that from the get-go will make those uh decisions and those efforts i suppose a little bit easier to stomach and push through because you've already committed yourself knowing full well that this is going to be a lot of work very rewarding of course but that you are going to have to put the time and effort into it. Yes. Uh, and I suppose, as she kind of said, was, you know, if you do it right, relationship marketing is very lucrative. Uh, and, and that's another fact you can't argue with. So I am very happy to leave it there, Phil. Uh, bid you a good day and thank our listeners for listening in. Yeah. And it's uh, adieu for me. And it's uh, ciao. Ciao for me. Ciao. <laughs> have a good day. Thanks. Thank you.